Blog Talk Radio. I know nothing, but I do know winter is coming. Hockey season. Listen to the Isles Beat podcast with your hosts, B.D. Geloff and John Jordan, before it's too late. Howdy, y'all. It's B.D. You're listening to Isles Beat, and I see that... uh... I was wondering if John would be a little late to the to the game here, and uh, I think he's checking in, but I think he's going to let me start. So uh, let's catch everybody up. So last we we had our podcast. Um, it was before the draft, and I kind of laid down um, some issues and some some insight to what might happen because the trade market was looking really really tepid. It, it looked poor, and lo and behold, three weeks later, we know that it was because only one player of any import for the Islanders moved, and unfortunately, they missed on it, and that really dictated the UFA uh, free agency period for the Islanders, so, you know, we've been talking, we started about last year about this time. And pretty much, maybe a little bit before, but we pretty much laid down um, from the very start that the Islanders were looking, to, for the most part, probably losing all all their free agents. And lo and behold, that is exactly what happened. Um, you know that you know. Sorry to be the bearer of that bad news uh, that seemed to really hit ahead um, this off season with a little bit of frustration with some fans on Twitter and laying that out, but the fact is that these were important items and items that came to pass. The Islanders were going to hold the line on pay. They were going to hold the line on um, a lot of things. One is Kyle Posa's price to the Islanders was much higher than what he signed for the Buffalo Sabres. Let me make that clear. And um, I made that clear on Twitter, and I think that anybody who's kind of listening to the podcast and not following on, me on Twitter uh, really should just because um, when I can't touch base on the podcast, it gives me an opportunity to kind of solidify or give some insight uh, going along. So if you've only listened to the podcast, you're kind of missing out on the day-to-day. Um, but basically... Um, you know, Kyle and the Islanders were far apart a year ago. It's one of the reasons that um, the draft a year ago 
all of a sudden the Islanders were, um, you know, rumored to be shopping Kyle Poso. And at the time, it was because his price to the Islanders was so out of whack that they wanted to see what value. Sometimes um, GMs will take a player and kind of dangle them publicly um, to see what GMs are willing to pay up. And usually, you know, rumors, as you can see outside of the Islanders, once once, uh, GM goes fishing, it it tends to come back and get reported in the media or somewhere along the line. And that's what happened. And basically, he was looking for more than seven per year. And I think what the Islanders wanted was less term. And every time there was less term, the the price went up. Lo and behold, um, free agency... He went to a team that was a lot like the Islanders um, in, you know, area and setup and I think in quality of life and living uh, upstate and uh, over in Buffalo, and he signed for a little bit less. I think that he was asking of the Islanders something that really wasn't going to be given to him necessarily in free agency. Um, that $7 million, I think, didn't quite come to fruition. And if there was a, a corresponding deal that was a little bit more, I don't know if it was really at the seven. So he signed for um, a little bit less over in Buffalo. But the problem is, is that Island fans tend to pick up on things and try to use it as a narrative. So we heard a lot of, oh, you know, he signed for, you know, the, the small difference of what Ladd was signed for for the Islanders. And, you know, he wanted to escape, you know, if your issue is the coaching, then you think that it's because of coaching or this and that. It's not. It's because his price to the Islanders was much higher, whether it has to do with trying, trying to take advantage of the Brooklyn and being a city team, uh, the fact of the, the, living on Long Island is one of the highest cost of livings in, in the entire country. So the fact is that they, he wanted more. So just you know, make that clear and let that you know, let not let that silly narrative kind of go into play. But this is the kind of stuff that you know really that the Islanders held their line, and I think that it, the Islanders were actually very lucky to to be able to pick up in free agency what they did. I, you know, if you follow along on Twitter, I did a poll uh, the other day. Did the Islanders do better? Are they worse? Or are they the same? And I think about 35% said they were better. 25% said they were worse. And the majority, 40%, said they were about the same. And I, I think that that is correct. I think they are about the same. They have taken a hit in the kind of elements that Franz Nielsen brings to the table, um, whether it be face-offs or doing the kind of things that he does on the PK, and, um, you know, some of those aspects they lose out on, but they gained, and and this was really the key, they gained in goals. That was the thing to watch. If the Islanders would be able to replace the goals, they replaced the goals and and more. so I think that was extremely important, and I think that the Islanders were able to hold the line, and I think they were very lucky that Doug Waite was able to reel in um, Ladd because there was a point where if Ladd did not land, they did not have much of a, a backup plan. 
It would have been P.A., Shamira, and maybe uh, Stepniak, um, who was somebody that the Islanders did chase, and then um, basically to come to Long Island, he wanted too much that they were willing to pay. Um, for a while, it looked like they might have Lad, Stepniak, and Shamira, but that uh, fell through. Um, you know, these are, and, and then the same thing with PA is they were looking at making sure that there was an overlap on goals, um, responsibility around will be shared. Um, you know, they they plan on using Ryan Strom in the center position. They're looking to use Brock Nelson in the center position. Um, you know, those thinking that Grabowski is going to be somehow penciled into this team, uh, don't pencil him in. I don't think he's necessarily going to be playing. I know that uh, Staples said today, uh, conjectured that uh, maybe they would be sent to the AHL. I am very doubtful that he's going to even have an opportunity or even be medically cleared to play. Um, the, 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 the funky situation there is that when somebody's with concussions and injured, this is why he couldn't be bought out, you can't buy out an injured player. Um, the Islanders will not use the long-term uh, IR because um, basically, uh, you know, the, um, they're not going to be at the cap. That is only when you're going to go through this cap ceiling uh, on a temporary basis. So I know that I'm going on for a little bit, but I'm trying to catch everybody up. And uh, just want to check to see if uh, John is on. But basically, I just wanted to get everybody on point to catch everybody up. But I think that the Islanders did hold the line here. And I think that's really important because if you hold the line and then have improvement in Ryan Strom, Anders Lee, maybe Boychek having a better season than the, the pile of crap that went on last season, uh, Josh Bailey having a better season. These are the four players that really uh, didn't have good seasons. The team is going to be a lot better, and I think that is really what to take away from this. So holding a line was really key because once the Islanders missed on Taylor Hall, there are no other trade opportunities. Nobody else has been dealt. So these are the kind of things to really kind of key in on that they're very lucky in being able to hold that line. Hi, John. Hi there, sir. I was beginning to wonder if I had been dealt. I apologize for the uh, slightly tardy arrival, but it was nice to just sit back and listen to you uh, go to town there for a bit. I haven't gotten to do that in a while. <laughs> Well, I feel like it almost took 10 minutes just to kind of like do, you know, like, you know, Game of Thrones shows back, you know, the, those things that are important from the previous episodes. Correct. Yes. And I kind of felt like I was doing a little bit of that and a little bit of catch up and uh, try to hit some uh, some points to kind of set the table. Well, I think you did a good job. So let me do the... Uh... Let me do the fan bit and tell you kind of where I stand in my humble uh, one guy, one regular guy's opinion here. I uh, I watch things unfold. Maybe we'll talk about the draft a little bit later, but just in terms of free agency after really no trades went down. Um, I saw our um, the Islanders' own free agents go one, two, three, pretty much just like that. No surprise, no big deal there. Um, a little bummed with the Nielsen thing, but hey, you know, it, it is what it is. It's no big deal. Uh, but then I, I, as the next couple of days wore on, I felt uh, 
I felt pretty, pretty solid. I felt uh, not as excited as maybe I would have been just with at least, you know, one big name and Andrew Ladd coming in, in my opinion, um, as I would have been, you know, years ago. Um, but I think that's, uh, you know, with age comes some slight semblance of maturity and level-headedness. So they tell me, um, but I felt like, uh, yeah, like, like you said, the biggest deal here is, uh, accounting for the goals lost. But with that, I think in all, in two of the three players that the Islanders brought in, um, and I'm speaking of, uh, Ladd and Jason Chimera, you've not only got some goals re- replacing those that went out in the, with, with the exit of Oposo and Nielsen, um, but you've also got some experience and playoff experience and, um, you know, a, a veteran presence in both of those guys. And I think that uh, certainly was something that was intentional as well. Um, and then, you know, the, the addition of PA Parento, I think could go down as a very underrated move. I would hope uh, and feel confident that maybe there's one more uh, move to be made in the off season. Could be now, could be later, could be the beginning of the year. Maybe, I don't know. Um, but, you know, as we always say, the Islanders like to leave a, li- a little bit of room. Uh, they've they've effectively replaced what was lost. Uh, in my opinion, they're probably a, a little bit better. Uh, time will tell if there's some chemistry that that issues that need to play themselves out. You know, the coaching staff and everything else like that, which we've talked about a million times. But um, I, I'm feeling pretty good about where they are right now. And uh, you know, uh, if if there's another move to be made, I would expect hopefully that that would be a, a little bit more of an improvement as far as the forward ranks go. Um, but I think they're in good shape right now. The one thing that kind of irked me, and, and I'll let you, you know, uh, tackle some of the stuff that I just threw out there, uh, it wasn't from the Islanders. It was from the fans, uh, and that was the small segment of fans that were upset with Michael Grabner signing with the Rangers. You guys just need to get over that, man. I mean, that's uh, that's nothing to uh, to worry about in any way, shape, or form. That's um, I, I thought about it for a little bit, and I was gonna try and come across and say something that was at least halfway intelligent. You know who I think Michael Grabner is or who he reminds me of from an Islander team of the past? Claude Lapointe in a lot of ways. And and maybe not the exact same type of player, but a a player that was uh, very serviceable for this team when it was no good. And then the team got good. Of course, Lapointe was was with the Islanders for a much longer period of time than Grabner was. Then the team got relatively decent. Uh, got back to the playoffs in in both cases for these players. Um, And they played, you know, one round essentially for the Islanders, the point all in one season, Grabner over the course of two, six games, once two games in another. Uh, And then it was time to move on because that type of player uh, didn't necessarily have a place on that team anymore. Uh, Again, we're not exactly comparing apples to apples. I know a lot of Grabner's thing, had to deal with a, a, a very uh, lofty contract, but uh, he's not as good as a lot of you people think he is. And uh, I, I'm kind of happy to see him on the Rangers because I think that's, um, you know, it, it, that's no huge get for them. Anyway, back to positive land, right? Yeah, well, you know, I never quite understood, and this is where analytics kind of fails or, or when you have stat heads um, stuck on the stats who have no scouting skill whatsoever to add to anything when they acted like Grabner, losing Grabner somehow would uh, destroy the Islanders' uh, uh, penalty kill. 
um, something that the Islanders had the best penalty kill most of the season. So they they made it. They ended up looking very foolish. Then they acted like uh, over in Toronto he would be a, a wonder over there, and he wasn't. And then of course you know, and it's of course they don't go back to analyze why that was, they were wrong. They make other pronunciations like uh, like Chimera is not better than Matt Martin, um, which I I read and it was completely wrong and very very poorly done uh, because line. Uh, they were saying that goal suppression, uh, where they they failed, is that goal suppression is actually line-based, not individual-based. When we look at, like, Matt Martin on the fourth line, fourth line was a combination of different skill sets, balanced. Matt Martin looked really good because Clutterbuck, and uh, and if you look at Zizekas' pay, you can see where the Islanders really felt was the, the true uh, opinion of that, and, and you know, in Sezikis's play, um, and how you know, basically letting Matt Martin go get overpaid somewhere else. Um, I know that Garth Snow said that he doesn't look at the fourth line as any as really a fourth line, just another line for the Islanders. But that's not really true because the Islanders didn't pay Matt Martin anything more than they weren't willing to pay any anything more than what they were willing to hold to the to the to the fourth line. And then they bring in Chimera, who's infinitely better, um, in in every way might be double or triple better. Um, you know, people were looking at his age and not understanding that the player is uh, a freak of nature and in, in incredible shape and very speedy. And then you realize that the Chimera is really Grabner with a little bit more uh, ability to score. And with grit and experience in the, and not a passenger uh, to pick up on uh, and Capuano's line, which when he said that really meant Grabner. Um, and that, that really is the issue. So the Rangers pick up a passenger who has been overhyped and overanalyzed um, and, and poorly analyzed. And it's kind of ridiculous to look at that and, and point to that as like some loss. Um, just as bad as it was when I, I really didn't like what I saw from my Islander fans who were looking for um, reasons to hate on Kyle Poso or Franz Nielsen or um, Matt Martin in their signings when they didn't mention the Islanders, didn't mention this, didn't mention that. That's really catty stuff. And I, I really thought that a lot of fans looked very foolish. It was not just on Islands Twitter. Uh, I know that people have some emotions tied to it with fandom, but, you know, it, it's no reason to be catty. And I thought that was very kind of silly. You know, the, the, these players have every right to use the market how they deem fit and uh, do well for themselves. Uh, it's unfortunate Kyle thinks that they're a, they're a playoff contender over in Buffalo with no goalie, but uh, that's not my problem and that's not your problem. That's Kyle's problem and Buffalo's problem. And I think that fans need to a little bit more disconnect to that cattiness and just wish the player well for what they did here and wish them well, but not too well, over for other teams. And that, you know, and just step back from that. Because, you know, and, and that cattiness is kind of the things that turn me off. I've had a ban, uh, which is something that I really try not to do on Twitter, uh, people, including telling uh, one moron writer 
uh, to stop following me uh, because they were acting so ridiculous and fanboyish that they lost any concept or, or groundedness and they were just attacking and, and being nuts. And it's kind of a shame that you have to do that. But when passions, if you can't, uh, for, for writers, there's no excuse. That's just pathetic. Did, but, this, uh, this wouldn't happen to be the same person who had the balls to uh, question your credibility at one point where uh, I decided to jump in and throw some barbs myself. What I, I don't mean to you know, call them out by name or anything, but. Especially when they have background information, emails from the Islanders over the venue and all that background stuff for different articles and different stuff like that. Uh, it was kind of crazy. But it's where, and that's why I suggest not to follow, because if you can't, you know, there are some that are going to be, you know, um, you know, you're, I guess in my wrestling, you call it a wrestling mark, that it hits on a passion point for you. And, you know, it, it, it kind of disconnects a little bit of logic. And I, I, I understand that. And in, in some writers, it might matter as well. Uh, if you're an editor or a writer for a, a large organization, it's kind of a bad thing. But neither here nor there, it's probably a better thing not to um, comment because you're going to look a little silly. And that's where things kind of went off the rails. And, you know, there was a lot of fan vocalization, too, because when there's a lot of frustration and fear and unexpected things, you don't know, and there's a tendency to lash out. And there's a point where you just have to just tune it out because it's not worth it. It's not worth the drama and the, and the negative. So uh, that it's unfortunate, but, you know, you got to keep, a little bit of an even keel. Look, you know, if you've been following along for the last year, the the free agents going away should have been no surprise. We've talked about it since the first show. Um, you know, it, and the fact remains that uh, you know there's a couple of items that uh, that are going to portend for the future too. The Islanders do remain open for another move. Right now, the trade market has not changed. They are happy with what they have and holding a line. They would like to be better, and that change and better has to do with next year's expansion draft, where if they run with the 731 configuration of protection, that three is for your defense. And if you are count, can count well, you can look at that defense and see that there's more than three that need to be protected. And that brings up an issue that the Islanders are heading towards next year. And I don't see this mentioned by anybody. And uh, as we see silly conjectures and off-base items and all sorts of silliness, that, that for the Islanders is a big deal because either you protect eight total players or you can protect, you know, uh, 11, and that that's going to be a big difference, and that most likely means that the Islanders are going to have to really look at their defense and utilize some of those that can't be protected. That means they must protect Boychuk with a no-movement clause, and the silly fan supposition that he's going to waive it as a favor is not going to happen. Um, no player is going to waive it. 
like that. And take uh, when when they have houses and life and let themselves be open like that. That's not something that they do, and that's not something that the team would do. Um, that means they can only protect two other defensemen. You have Letty, you have Hamannick, you have Dahan, you have Pollock. Uh, there seems to be a lot of uh, confusion on Ryan Pollock. Um, you know, I've said it a couple times on Twitter, and I will say it again. He is not exempt. I don't care how many times you've looked at the rules, how many times you've perceived the rules, that you think the NHL is going to come down with some sort of hearing. As far as I'm hearing from the Islanders, that he is not exempt, and that is their belief. So it would be fantastic if they reassessed it, but right now, based on that rule, he will have, in playing, you know, 50-something games, he will be uh, not exempt from the expansion draft. That means the Islanders have a lot of decisions to make. That means defense could reap uh, an improvement on offense. But it really depends on on market. That means trade could happen tomorrow. Could happen at camp. Could happen once after camp, right before the season, as teams are trying to get under the cap. Um, it might happen at the trade deadline. It might even happen at the following draft. So you don't know when. So right now, why the the podcast is t- titled "Hold the Line" because that's really what they did for now and. Right now, I think it is good enough, um, as long as the other items improve. Well, I, I know that you know the average fan. I think we touched on this last time um, is not um, paying much attention to the importance and the the added twist that the upcoming expansion draft is ha- is having already and will have throughout next season. Um, this is a little bit different than expansion drafts of the past. Uh, I think I made the point last time about uh, largely because of the prevalence of the no movement contracts and the fact that those are tied directly into whether or not a guy can be protected. Um, I think that's going to be huge because you're going to have teams, not just the Islanders that are in a situation. I'm not saying that Johnny Boychuk is a guy that should be exposed by any means, um, but uh, are going to have to protect guys that maybe they otherwise wouldn't have, or they're just going to be pinned into a corner knowing that they have to protect the guy, uh, which exposes somebody else. You're going to see trades happen that um, possibly wouldn't have happened previously um, to get, to move a player that a team can't protect, but might want to get some value for. You're going to see a lot of quirks that uh, you wouldn't see in an average uh, off season. And again, throughout next season, I believe. Um, But as far as the Islanders go, one player that they, don't have to worry about protecting or exposing for the expansion draft anymore, nor do we have to worry about talking about it much anymore. And this is, you might notice a slight uptick in my rather uh, downtrodden voice usually, but Brian Strait, gone, baby gone. Don't have to worry about that name anymore. And now I think I would like to take a moment to make amends, Mr. Strait. I apologize for all of my negative conjecture uh, about you in the past year plus uh, further back. If we go outside of the scope of this podcast, uh, I wish you all the luck in the world and please, please enjoy Winnipeg. (laughs) Yeah. Look, you know, he wasn't going to be resigned. Um, The Islanders have a lot of 
attempting to now. Uh, Pellick, Mayfield, uh, who right now is still in RFA. Um, you have, you know, a, a lot there. Uh, it can be very interesting where Pullock, if the Islanders don't make a trade, uh, where those defense are, is really going to line up. And um, I, I thought it was strange today that uh, Garth Snow said that, uh, you know, they liked how Letty, um, Hamannick played with Letty. I feel like um, that was a little bit of uh, smoothie talk because when I did an analytical analysis and uh, looked at uh, and other analysis that other people have, have put up, Hamannick actually struggled when he was put on the top uh, pairing with, with, with Letty last season. I think that uh, that might have been a little bit of smooth talk, and that let me. I guess I should point into a little bit of controversy. Um, basically, uh, that uh, and I know this goes against what has already been cited uh, in Newsday by Staple. Um, I have heard that that the Islanders offered Hamannick to Edmonton, and Edmonton chose Larson. Let me make that clear. I've said it on Twitter. Um, I've said it loosely, and I'll say it strongly. Um, I believe that the, that was actually offered. I think that the Islanders had to actually add more to that, and still Edmonton seemed to be in love with Adam Larson. Um, I hope that down the line more comes out of that, because what I've talked about with expansion really has to do why Hamannick was offered to Edmonton. And I believe Hamannick might be offered for the right offensive piece, possibly, if it gets them what they feel is an elite player. Because, like I said, if you have Hamannick, who is a solid defenseman, is a solid number three, he is not a first-pairing defenseman, and you think that Ryan Pollock is your first-pairing defenseman of the future, and one of those players needs to be exposed, you have a problem. And I, I think that's what Garth Snow and the Islanders have right now. And I think you should watch for this because you might disagree, you might cite what other people have said, but I will guarantee you that they're going to have to do something soon. And I think down the line you will see that that this was the case, um, that that they are going to have to do something about that. But right now it's going to be very interesting to see what what goes on from it. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I know that John, I, I did set it for 90 minutes. I know that uh, I set it for more time just in case I run over because I hate hearing her voice when we're trying to wrap up. Michelle, she's a doll. That Mary Poppins, she is. She is just a doll. What we hear when we're trying to run the show is this British voice, this annoying lady that tells us the time is running out. And when you're trying to wrap a show, it's really annoying. So instead of putting it for the hour, I put it for 90 minutes into the timing. Um, and our setup, and John was a little bit worried. <laughs> So, but uh, no, no worries. We'll 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 stop on time. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big worrier. Um, 
I was very worried about the retention of Brian Strait for one. Now, I, uh, I talking about Hamannick. I, I know that when he rescinded his trade request, there was some celebration among the fan base, and everybody was pleased that that uh, resolved itself in a way that they had hoped and stuff like that. But um, what I thought about in talking to you and in hearing some of the stuff that you just said once again, um, you know that doesn't necessarily mean guys that he's an Islander for life, like by any stretch. And if the situation presented itself where the Islanders could move him for this key offensive piece that everybody seems to want. And most of us agree is still needed. um, I don't want to hear anybody crying the blues about, Oh, you know, that's a raw deal. He, 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 he said he didn't want to leave anymore and he wanted to stay and look, they trade him anyway, guys, look, I mean, nobody's untouchable in professional sports anymore, just about. And by and large, the game of running a professional sports team is about asset allocations, right? Uh, And maximizing on what you have when you can um, and mixing in, you know, some, some dollar figures with all that and doing it the right way. I mean, I think that's the really simple way to, um, explain it and I don't think that the younger fans want to hear that but I mean younger John Jordan wouldn't have wanted to hear that but uh, playing favorites as you know you you progress doesn't seem doesn't really work out I think you set yourself up for disappointment I mean the old adage is you know root for the logo on the front not the name on the back right and from a player's perspective play for the logo on the front not the name on the back I don't think that's as commonplace it's a much healthier approach, really, if you think about it. And so if the day comes where Travis Hamannick is still moved for, um, you know, what uh, Islanders management deems to be a, um, you know, a, a more valuable asset, a piece that plugs in, uh, that's that's needed more than what Hamannick brings on the back end. If a couple of guys, you know, really step up their game on defense, then, you know, I think that becomes even more likely once the season gets going. So, um We'll see. I just uh, I want I wanted to make that point because you really have to see you know you have to have the right perspective on that. Yeah, well, it ties to a bigger issue because for the for most of the season, everybody outside of Long Island and some people who want to shit on Brooklyn uh, because they can't get over Nassau blew it um, have utilized the commute and. Just, The Hammond trade request pulled back said very clearly, just as much as the interviews of all the players that wanted to stay at the end of the season, was use of the impulsion. And I think that really ties to it. You know, the Hammond, you know, he does bleed orange and blue. He's that great character guy. And he's a great guy in the locker room and a great guy to have, but you still have to make a team better. And when you have some a situation with that, with expansion and protecting players and having an issue like that. These are real big picture items and it's not about just being a fan or wanting, you know, the player wanting to, you know, be around. It's a business. They're in the business of being better. And that's that's really important because the, uh, the, you know, the the, the Islanders have to think outside the box. You know, if we did everything that the fans wanted, we would have Mike Milbury all again. 
because every time that uh, we get frustrated with something, we want to we want to change. We never stick to anything. If you've seen it and I've seen it, you know how many people declared a also a washout and wanting him to trade him because he was struggling, and then he broke through and then he was able to get over 60 to 70 points. You know the fact is fans don't always know what what is best. Uh, in the long term, and I think that people really need to kind of steal themselves for another change. I guess, uh, you know, it's a year difference. A year ago, when we first started the show, I warned about the, you know, the, the free agents that were probably not going to be around and, the, uh, and kind of get people on board with that because, you know, this was an important item that was going to play out, and then, lo and behold, it did. Now I'm warning you that the Islanders are going to have to do something about their defense uh, in terms of protection. And, you know, that might mean Hamannick being moved. You know, I, did, I even did a blog based on the just because he brought back their request, he was still their best chip to, to address a need. And if you saw the playoffs, there was a clear need. There's a clear need of better players than just JT, and in the Florida series, Grice. Those were your two players that got us past the first round. Without one of them, they would have faltered. No one could have picked up the slack. And that's very concerning because the Islanders have no guarantee that Grice can play the same level again. He's never done it before. Uh, luckily, uh, on, uh, it looks like, uh, as I had been citing, that Halak and he would be uh, tandem once again, not quite, or at least going to camp with Barube also, and letting them see what they have, and that that depth is going to be really important. And you know the defensive depth right now is important, but they're going to have to make a move. That's what depth brings. That brings you the opportunity to do that. And you know that you know we always talk about the fact that the Islanders want to account for the potential for that sort of thing. And it, look, the, the bottom line is, if you want this team to continue to get better and become a true bona fide contender year in year out, year in year out, kind of stumbled through that one. Um, and I, by that I mean a Stanley Cup contender, not just a team that's going to make the playoffs and win around here and there uh, once every twenty three years or whatever the case was. Um, they need to be that team that can add pieces at the right time um, for a championship run that almost always happens. Um, and the way you do that is by, you know, building up enough organizational depth to be able to make those moves and sometimes to be able to make some proactive moves ahead of those situations, getting rid of uh, bigger names, talented players to bring back, you know, equal or better caliber players in return. Um, the, 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 the pipe dream of, you know, shedding every contract and every player that uh, the teams just don't want to bring back, you know, anybody that's uh, worth a damn uh, is just that a dream. It just doesn't, doesn't often happen. So um, I think you have to be prepared for that sort of thing. And I think that you have to look at that as a positive in my opinion. And it looks like the Islanders, you know, uh, the Islanders were talking about uh, using the cap relief room and, and and trying to take advantage of teams being stuck for two years. I actually mentioned on Twitter to watch for it two years before they finally did it in getting Boychuk and Letty. They reaped two things in being prepared ahead of time, utilizing their cap room and also that teams would be stuck um, at the last minute 
trying to um, move players for very little because if you wait too long, you know, I think a lot of teams learned a valuable lesson in what the Bruins and the in Chicago had to do. Now they deal players long before they're um, going to be, you know, um, before that they're stuck in that last-minute situation to get under the cap. Well, the Islanders are doing that the same way. I think they're looking at expansion in the same proactive stance. They don't want to have to worry about moving a defenseman at the last minute where they, other teams know that you're at a disadvantage and where nobody's going to really pay up. It's very much a poker game where the GMs are concerned. It's all about advantage and disadvantage. Um, and, you know, the, the fact is that the Islanders are going to be proactive about that. And that, you know, that, that expansion draft and what the Islanders are going to protect while also giving them an opportunity to do something about it to get better, is something they want to take advantage of, if they can. So you know, uh, but uh, you know, the the fact is that the, these are things of proactivity that the Islanders are going to do, and it's something to really watch for. And it might not happen today or tomorrow, or even at the beginning of the season, but it's something that's going to play out. And you know, a year from now. Just like it was a year from when we talked about the UFAs that were going to leave the Islanders, I will guarantee you that on our next year at this time, we will be talking all about that, of what they did to do that. And I think that's something really to watch for this season. You know, the Islanders have really committed and putting a lot of um, uh, responsibility on the coaching staff and a- analysis of uh, using Strom back in the center position, as Garth had mentioned today on uh, Sirius XM, which was probably the only newsworthy item, except that nobody seemed to cite that and seemed to cite the uh, the, the silly thing of, oh, we'll give uh, you know JT a call next summer and saying that's like a news item. That's when they can. So I didn't yeah. think that, that was really – that's simple logic. Um, but the you know using Ryan Strom in the center position and looking at that he wasn't utilized as a center and, and as a instead was used as a wing. Um, one he was offsetting a little bit of responsibility because the coaching staff used him as a wing. So I didn't know if that was a little bit of a correction done to the coaching um, to start to push of how these players are going to be used. Uh, as we know, there was a big disconnect between coaching staff and analytics and what, and even our eye test of Ryan Strom in the playoffs when they sat him uh, over Bernier uh, when we all clearly knew who the better player was. And I, I'm hopeful that they've corrected that because if they don't figure out Ryan Strom, if he does not have getting back on track, um, in that top six, and you know, it's it's going to be really on the coaching staff to correct that. So you know, hopefully, you know, those who are not convinced, and I, I have to to be a little bit in that um, same ballpark there, as I'm not really convinced that this is the final coaching staff to get them to where the promised land 
we saw some issues in the playoffs. Um, hopefully it is the coaching staff that can correct it, just like they corrected a horrendous penalty kill two seasons ago and made it one of the you know top two for the entire season. Yeah, um, well, so hopefully- you know, build, just building off that, I mean, the, the, my thing with the coaching staff is well chronicled, but you, you, I, I like the fact that there's what appears to be some obvious pressure on them coming into this next season. Um, but at the same time, it, yeah, give them credit for correcting penalty kill and maybe a couple of other things here and there, but you can't, what you can't have is correcting one thing, making major improvements in one area and having huge regressions in another. That, that balance that stasis has to be present. Um, and I think that they're going to be measured up against that this coming year uh, as well. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, you know, uh, we've cited before, you know, you hope that Boychuk, we've seen uh, when I look at his stats from uh, previous years, he has had bad seasons before. You hope it's not that he's in decline. Um, but that, you know, hopefully can be corrected. Um, but, uh, you know, the real fortune is really on, um, Ryan Strom mostly, but Anders Lee getting back to, you know, I think late in last season, we saw the, the Anders Lee of the, the season before. And I think that'll continue. I think that people have been really down on Brock, uh, losing steam in the playoffs, forgetting that the season before he lost steam in the second half of the season. He's a young player and, you know, that, that, Conditioning and uh, and ability to to you know he took a big step forward last season just despite uh, running out of steam and even despite people pointing to him he actually was middle of the pack for the rest of the team anyway um, the fact is he's you know somebody with 26 goals and is really key for this next season so let's hope that he takes another step forward I don't think the fans should be really down on it. Um, you know, he definitely wasn't the same player in the playoffs, but I, I remember the season before that he ran out of steam long before that. So, you know, what you hope that he just builds off that and is able to keep a certain level for the full season and for the I playoffs. Think, yeah, and I, and I think that that's something else you want to see is that the, or that the coaching staff is going to be measured against as well is uh, consistency for um, Brock Nelson not taking not taking a step back there in, in particular that's something that they're they're, they're going to have to be accountable for I believe as well so there's a, a handful of things that that um, you know they'll be measured up against and that's not to say that if the team's you know just a bit better than mediocre for um, the better part of the first half of the season that there's automatically going to be a big change but I do think as we've talked about before that you know slow starts a really slow start or a really lengthy losing streak will not be tolerated this year. And I, I feel more confident saying that now than I have in the past when I think I was just kind of hopeful of that sort of thing. Um, it just sort of seems like that situation to me right now. And then, you know, something else that you just brought up that the um, uh, ignorance of people uh, criticizing poss- the honors possibly not extending Tavares sooner than, like you said, when they first can, uh, next off season is one thing, but another point to be made there is, um, you know, it's not when you might call this upcoming season, a contract year for John Tavares, but, uh, I mean, hell, if you really do like where you're playing as we have every reason to believe that he does, um, and you know that you can get that extension ironed out next off season, 
this upcoming season is a great year to have a career year, I would say. Um, and I'm not saying that the pieces are most certainly in place for that to be, um, you know, a foregone conclusion. But uh, what I am saying is I expect a huge year out of uh, JT in the upcoming season. Yeah, yeah I, I think so, too. I, I don't think it was necessary contract, but also that, look, he had a very – he struggled this season, too. And I think that might even speak more um, on something that coaching must correct and why they are still fishing around if they can improve the, the offense is that, the, you know, that – Yes, the season before he was able to produce at an elite level with, you know, you know Josh Bailey and uh, Kyle Oposo. And then when Kyle Oposo da- went down, Anders Lee, and then he was still producing. And then all of a sudden this season, it was completely um, the opposite. He looked n- not very elite player at all until the playoffs when he woke up. And then he unfortunately was the only um, offense that really, you know, until, uh, you know, Hadman and Tampa really shut him down uh, because they could, because if you can shut down the best player and you have an elite player to do that and you don't have any other weapons in your arsenal, well, it sh- should have it sent a message to, to, to Garth and company that they need to have more tools in their arsenal, you know, and, and that's, the, that's the thing. So, um, I think Andrew Ladd's going to be very interesting because you have somebody, you know, people have always complained that the Islanders never had good vets. They were in the twilight of their careers. And I'm not a huge Andrew Ladd fan. Um, I spoke out against him as a uh, trade deadline pickup because of the cost of that trade. That would have been a very costly trade at the time for someone that I was was clearly a top, you know, six player, but not necessarily the answer to everybody what they wanted and as the piece. But I do think that Andrew Ladd can get as much output as Kyle did in that role on, on, as on the, with JT. He's a guy who has 25 goals, so he had more goals than than. Kyle last year, and you know if there's a JT bump of playing with elite players, um, then you know Andrew Ladd should produce that. Um, PA on the on that wing, I really think you know this is a team that likes to balance the lines. Uh, they did it about two years seasons ago about where we talked about line balancing. That was what was uh, you know told to me. And lo and behold, that's what they did, and they produced for the first half of the season amazingly. And then, um, you know, it's something they didn't really do last season. I think that they were doing a lot of moves and changing, and I don't know. They were kind of all over the place with the lines, and it looked it. And I think we're going back to that line balancing. I think Ladd and JT and PA, I know that I have a cigar bet with somebody, uh, that uh, they will be the top line this season. I think that, that, and they should produce. Uh, Chimera is really good because here's a guy, if there's an injury, you can slot him anywhere in that top, anywhere on the on the team, which is something that you could never do with Matt Martin. I cannot speak more on what an improvement that is. Uh, somebody who can play the penalty kill and who has speed 
You know, they haven't had that type of speed on the penalty kill since Grabner has been gone. And unlike Grabner, this is a player that is far more consistent and has a little bit more of a, an ability to put the goal, you know, the, the puck into the net. So I really think that it was really an important pickup. And I think that they're leaving um, an, an open spot for maybe Quine or Barzal to make the team. But, I, you know, like I said, if we count your, your forwards, I wouldn't really count Grabowski in any in way, any shape, way, or form right now. Well, you, you just can't. You just can't at this point, even if it were a matter of where does he fit. I mean, um, it, it doesn't show the history of being able to stay in the lineup consistently, and there's been stretches where he's been quite good. Um, but you, you know what seems to be just around the corner at all times with him, and that's that's just an unfortunate reality. But I get your point there as well. I mean, he's just he just may be the odd man out anyway. Um, the other thing with Chimera that you get, and let's let's not discount this, is not only you know his his goal scoring ability, his ability to play on the penalty kill, he's paying the ass to play against. But you've also plucked uh, twenty goals and forty points. Um, from the Washington Capitals, uh, which is a nice, uh, a nice removal from from their roster. Uh, not that they can't make up for that in other ways, and if perhaps they already have. But um, you know, that's a guy that was a, a staple of their team for the last several seasons. I think six or seven. So um, that's a team that you're competing against. You know, if you want to become that contender in the East. So um, I, I really liked that signing. I think that was, you know. Underrated. The guy's older than me, so um, you know I, I do I do take notice of that sort of thing. But um, no, I, I, I did like that signing, and I think that's going to go a long way. But I, I, I wanted to get in and, and and flip the script a little bit and ask you a quick question and see what your take on this is, or what you have to share um, for the people out there. Uh, what, what do we take away from the draft? Um, I, I know that uh, you know everybody uh, wants to latch on to the last game that you had a long-time NHLer in the bloodline, but um, anything else that we should be uh, excited about or have taken notice of during the, the, the this most recent draft? Well, look, when the Islanders don't have a trade in place, they are happy to make uh, picks. We know this. That's why when people make ridiculous statements like they're going to, and it happens every year, that some writer, uh, usually mainstream, makes a declaration that they're probably going to trade the pick you know that they're going to make the pick. Um, trade market wasn't there. If you had listened to the podcast or followed along with us, you'd know that that's the way it was looking. So, and it, it, it came to pass, and they held on, and, um, you know, they they got a good, young, power forward in their system, the fellows. Um, and I also think that uh, in the... He is someone that was cited to me that actually could make the team next year. So he's not that far away in terms of physical maturity or having the, the pieces in place that his development goes on path to be somebody who fights for a position on this team next camp. And that's pretty good. Uh, just like Barzell might be, you know, fighting it in. Uh, different players come at different rates. You know, this is why, um, and I'll go a little bit off path here, uh, Dal Cole Every time people say, oh, why is him and Hosang not fighting for a position? Because they're not there yet. And, uh, you know, if you followed along with me or spoke to me on Twitter, I tell you this. And uh, it shouldn't be said, and Garth ignored this when he was asked the same thing uh, on XM today. 
and only bringing up Barzal, and it's for good reason. Uh, Michael Dalcol is not physically matured yet and got into the point of development that he could really make it in the NHL yet. That's nothing against him. Everybody goes at a different rate. Uh, it's just that they feel that he could be fine-tuned in Bridgeport, and that's going to be the same for Hosang. So it's not anything that, that they don't make the team where they're going to wash out. Don't don't start looking at the – this happens all the time with, with prospects. They all develop at their own rate. But it is good to see, just like they said Barzal might make the team – uh, when I a year ago to me, and here he is going to be shooting, you know, fighting for a spot this year. Uh, Bellows has that opportunity. Then, of course, they didn't make a bunch of picks because they had used them for trades, and still made some really interesting picks later. Uh, Golishev is very interesting um, over in the KHL. Um, even though he's a small player, um, it's something that you know. Yes, KHL players haven't exactly. Uh, panned out for the Islanders, but it's a good value. And he is a good player, and it was talked about that other teams were going to take a shot, and the Islanders shot right in front of them, and were able to get it. Um, you know, any analytics-based team, uh, Toronto, Florida, uh, be, be assured that Florida Panthers are very analytical-based because Talon went over to, to Florida to run it. Um, the, those you know, type of players that the Islanders picked up are always on their lists as well. So the Islanders are always trying to be careful on who they pick up. And I thought they got some really good um, pieces in the later rounds for that. Um, also, the finish, um, I don't remember his name offhand, but the, uh, the prospect they got from Finland is actually um, pretty good. The only thing that was marked against him was a skating funny thing about skating is skating is one of the things that you can fix. You can always be better at skating. You don't always have the same hockey sense or skills. Those are sometimes innate or based on, you know, formative years. Skating can always get better. So, you know, they might have a little bit of a project or he might be a little bit underrated, but uh, I've heard a lot of good things and I really need to look them up because I forgot his name. The uh, the point's been made a million times too, and I think it's a it's a good time to to, to reiterate it now that uh, the only knock on John Tavares when he was coming into the league was his skating, and now he's credited with that as uh, as one of his uh, uh, not just the improvement that he's made, but also as a strong point. So that's um, that's not not anything to uh, you know write a guy off over at this point uh, in any event, but um, yeah, especially have the legs for it or the powerful stride or all the other aspects you know when when that was cited on jt i had actually brought on at the time when i was doing um oh god what was i doing at the time probably a hockey independent i brought on his uh, former coach uh, and did an interview with uh with him to cite that uh, in that coach's eyes that skating that's being slagged is not true at all and that he had a very powerful stride and it really wasn't a bad skater that that was being pointed out and i think that nuance and those items uh was very you know he was right uh clearly and jt you know worked with uh, the islanders work with the skating coaches and improved on the skating but i think what they see the different aspects that get rounded up where they people say oh they're a bad skater it's not always because they don't know how to skate it's because they're not putting it all together right. And I think that's going to be the case with 
um, their finished prospect. Um, I really think that that's somebody that we might see be much better than than a lot of people thought because of it. I think that uh, you know he had a lot of good goal scoring ability. Um, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. It's uh, Kuvula Otto over from Finland in the junior uh, league, and he's on a he was on a good team with a lot of high end players. Um, and actually is is pretty good at the you know scoring aspects, but I think that he was missing a couple of the other stuff. So I know that we need to start to close this out. I know that we uh, should start doing a little bit more shows, whether it's next week or at least do it within the next two weeks. But uh, hopefully we've caught everybody up, and uh, next show, when we do do it, uh, we'll open it up for phone calls and a little bit more sounding off. So so next show we're gonna do it, you said? Is that did I get that oh, right? Yeah. Or? All we're right. <laughs> oh wait, just we just lost half of our fan base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well that's all right. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Alrighty, well it's uh it's always fun. It's uh it's been real. And uh yeah, one uh one in the next two weeks uh, is almost uh, certain. Um We'll, uh, we'll 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 do our best to nail that down as soon as possible and give you give you wonderful people uh, a hard commitment on a date for that as soon as possible. So uh, I'm John Jordan and uh, I'm gonna say adios. Adios. And on that note, yes. What is it? I need to go poopies. And on that note, I think we'll close out the show. See you next time. See ya. lack of faith disturbing.